Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Bobby Anderson. And Aubie, of course, we have to start this episode with our game of the week, as we always do. And boy, did we pick a good one, didn't we? El Trafico, it never, ever disappoints, this time at the Bank of California Stadium. Uh, just an insane match. I was obviously there covering the match um, that ended 3-2 to LAFC, uh, but it was an insane match, right? Uh, first half, Boanga got the goal in the 23rd minute, a nice through ball from Carlos Vela picking him out and a clever finish from Boanga. But then Galaxy uh, just continued to control the first half, really. Uh, LAFC sat back, and then it was Samuel Grandseer who punished LAFC in the 44th minute right before halftime, slotting it past Max Repo into the bottom left corner uh, from the top right of the box, or top left if you're LAFC. Uh, but it was, I mean, that that was the area of danger. Grand Seer hit the bar from there. Chicharito put one right over, and then Grand Seer finally punished him. But it was the second half that was insane, especially the last 10 minutes, really, wasn't it? Because LAFC got a foothold in the game, really, in the second half. Um, and... When Vela came off in the 78th minute, it was it was shocking move, wasn't it? Um, but apparently he had cramps. I, I guess that's the excuse. We could talk about that. But uh, Boanga then gets the brace on a Hollingshead cross that Apoku tries to get on the end of, doesn't quite get there, taps it to Boanga. Boanga's there to finish 2-1 in the 80th minute, and trail traffic goes never over, never ever, because <laughs> Dejan Jovalic in the 85th minute... I mean, just golazo. Absolute stunner from Dejan Jovalic. Uh, can't really say much about that. And you felt like it was going to extra time right then because yeah, LAFC haven't been great on set pieces. They did get the corner, and then it was Acosta to the back post. Bawanga puts it on target this close to his hat trick, but it falls right to the feet of Chicho Arango, who buries it 90 plus 3 for a 3-2 LAFC win. Uh, you were watching on TV. What were your thoughts on that one? It was just entertaining the whole way because, not going to lie, as a neutral in it, I was really hoping for that extra time. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just crazy because it was just back and forth, back and forth. And right at the end, like, I really thought it was going to overtime. And then it fell right to Chicho, and he gets it, runs up into the crowd, had to waste time, of course, but... He was yeah, going in was... kissing his wife, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. To be fair but, to him. You know, he's going to take that time. He wants his moment to be the moment. It was <laughs> but, the moment. It yeah. was. And Boanga with a brace, I mean, he's been such a great signing for LAFC. Yeah. Absolutely. He's been he's been absolutely incredible since he arrived. Three of the biggest goals of their season, right? Mm. Uh, with the goal against Portland to win the Shield, and then these two in this massive game. Um but you know what I did want to get your thoughts on were Ricky Pooge. Obviously, he had a fantastic game, fantastic player. Right. But he could have very easily gotten sent off in the twelfth minute for the headbutt on Jesus Murillo. We this was a huge point of contention in the press box. We were <laughs> we were debating this one heavily. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, I I don't know. Like, I feel like that's something that. They've established that any headbutt is a red card. Mm -hmm. So it probably should have been sent off. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't know how much selling do players do on that. You know, your head gets anywhere close, they're going to fall to the ground. So mm -hmm. 
feel like it's a judgment call there and of course you're gonna want it to go your way but i guess the ref just thought it was a bit too much flopping fair enough yeah yeah i think i think it's about you know the type of game that it is mm-hmm. um and you, you don't want it to be you know drastically changed yeah, in the 12th minute by a red card minute, that's just going to be a decisive right right and and this is mls's biggest game of the year right so they don't want it is yeah of course they, they don't want yeah. it to go down and they want it to be as entertaining as possible they want right. this They're drama want that they got it to have a bit more drama and i guess they chose right which is why i, I generally believe mls officials are, are less likely to give these red cards they're less likely to make these game changing calls though i would argue that it changes the game not to make the call right because as you say, any headbutt is a red card, and that's why I think it has to be a red card. Um, Ricky Pouge clearly swings his head. And yes, Murillo flops. Murillo sells it. <laughs> um, absolutely he does. Uh, but that doesn't excuse what Ricky Pouge is doing. Uh, Raheem Edwards also got away with one. That that one was the correct call, though, just outside the box. Um, in, not a penalty. He gets the yellow card, obviously, uh, deserved, but right right at the end of the first half as well. Um but overall, definitely deserved win from LAFC, right? They conceded possession, allowed, sat off, allowed Galaxy to control, uh, and hit them on the counter. But uh, one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, because yeah. I saw on Twitter you're mentioning there's going to be questions about can Vela be replaced now? You mean in this game or what? Uh, no, I think Vela had come off, and then because LAFC had gone on to win, there were thoughts about replacing Vela or something along those lines I tweeted something about how it was Sharundalo like it was it was a job you know putting your job on the line decision from Sharundalo um replacing Vela I mean he has a contract next year Hmm. so he's he'll stay um after that yeah I think you know Denny Bowanga probably becomes that guy right he has a long Hmm. contract uh the future DP of the team and then you know you're gonna have to figure out something else absolutely (laughs) Um, that'll be interesting, but it, it was interesting to see Vela come off in the 78th. I mean, what did you think of that? Trundle said it was from cramps after the game, but... Yeah, it's definitely interesting, because in those moments, it's the kind of decision where you take off that player that's mm-hmm. just been the it factor for your team mm-hmm. um, for a long time. You take him off, you lose the game, you start going, how much did that injury matter? Right. But, right. you know... It's a decision that you're paid to make, and it ended up working out for Shirondolo. Yeah, so exactly, <laughs> it was is definitely one that could have gone either way, as we saw with the chaos in those last ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head right there. It's one of those where Shirondolo got it right, and he gets paid the big bucks to get those decisions right. Um, and so all the credit to him, honestly. Um, but the re- the initial reaction was definitely, <laughs> what are you doing? But from a Carlos Vela perspective as well, it's like you have to be able to go 90-plus minutes in a playoff game. You have to be able to go 120, really, um, and right. you can't even go 80. That That's a problem, right? That tells me you're not fit when you should be fit, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit worrying. But from a, from a Sharonalu perspective, quality decision that. Um, but of course... There were the other uh, MLS playoff games. Uh, we didn't cover last week. The New York City beat Miami handily 3-0. And then FC Dallas got the win in penalties against Minnesota. Won one in, uh, in full-time and then 6-5 on penalties. Um, which set up, of course, New York City against Montreal. 
and uh, Philadelphia against, or sorry, uh, the Dallas Dallas against Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can start with Philadelphia uh, beating Cincinnati one nil. Uh, a pretty controlled performance. What you would expect. Cincinnati played well, but not well enough to find a goal against Philadelphia. Um, I think pretty much what everyone expected in this one. Yeah, pretty much. I think people might have expected Philadelphia with the season they had to maybe win by more than mm-hmm. just a goal, but for the most part, you expected Philadelphia to control this game and just shut down Cincinnati, and that's what they did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cincinnati had their chances, but couldn't capitalize. Um, New York City, of course. Uh, this this one to me was, I mean, technically on paper maybe an upset, but the, I mean, as close as we can get to a surprise, I think this round. Um, and really this playoffs, because there haven't been many surprises, have there? Everything's been going to plan. Uh, but NYCFC smashing Montreal 3-1 uh, away from home in Montreal. I think uh, it was an, an unexpected scoreline. Like, I, I'm not surprised yeah. that New York City won, obviously. Montreal have been very good. Both teams very good this season. Um, but... The scoreline is just a little bit flattering, and especially the the way that it happened. Right, Montreal could have very easily gotten back into that game right after the first goal. I mean, they were playing well; they had chances, but it just wouldn't go over the line for them. They put them off the post. They put them, you know, right there on the doorstep, but never could uh, really get more than that one. Obviously, uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, like I believe you said last week, this is kind of Montreal's season where they're putting all the cards on. The yeah. table and just going for it yeah and you know it, you could tell by the end they were pretty depressed about it because this was their moment to try and achieve something and you know to be at home and to lose like that and you only get a goal in the dying moments of the game from Mihalovic you know it's not how he wanted to end his time with Montreal Don't I'm sure so. but yeah just kind of crushing for Montreal but for New York City they start to say we're here to compete bring us philadelphia <laughs> exactly exactly they will get philadelphia um and then the last one of course austin beating dallas uh 2-1 in austin uh going up 2-0 and then holding on uh in the second half i think you know it, it went the first half when basically i would i would expect a couple quick dallas goals in the in the 26 29th minute austin goals sorry austin goals thank you um and then the second half, you know, Dallas came out to play. I mean, they, they were creating their chances. Um, they cr- created opportunities, but just nothing really clear-cut. Nothing's fantastic. Velasco got the goal. Uh, but personally, I never felt like they were going to get the second goal and equalize. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not much to say there besides Dallas just not converting. Yeah, Fedetta ghost, right? Yeah, Fedetta ghosted. Yeah, but with that, we can uh, I can I can get your predictions then for the conference finals. Of course, Philadelphia hosting New York City FC and LAFC hosting Austin FC. We can start in the East with Philadelphia and New York. See, I New York City has been blazing through. They had that three 0 win against Miami, three one against Montreal. Mm-hmm. I think this is where it stops. I think Oof. Philadelphia controls it just because Philadelphia, they had 
you know, a 1-0 win, which is a decent win to get him into it. But it's that week off, you know, where you come in, you're maybe you're not as prepared as a team that's just played a game, mm-hmm. as we saw with LAFC cutting it pretty close as well. Um, but I think Philadelphia, now they have a bit of momentum, and they're going to put New York City in their place with a 2-0 win over them. 2-0. Yeah. All right. Wow. So that's a comfortable win then yep. for Philly. Ah oh, man, this is <laughs> this is such a tough one for me. I would I, I can't say it's a comfortable win for Philly. I'll say that much. This is gonna be a one goal win either way it goes, uh, in my opinion. I think it's gonna be a very, very tight game. Two of the best teams, obviously. Um two very good defensive teams, two very good of offensive teams, right? Right. Um the difference I think is Philly are gonna sit deeper. Uh New York City are gonna possess the ball which is ironic considering we saw the opposite against montreal right but in general they are a team who likes to possess the ball and i think they will do so uh which will you know philly are a great defensive team and generally they can stop teams but when you're as good as new york city are going forward i don't know uh same matchup last uh year last year in the eastern conference final new york city won but philly has won both games this season against new york city it could go either way, but I'm going to have to say New York City win this one. 2-1 at Subaru Park. Uh, I just think right. they're, they're going to have so much attacking power. They're going to have a bunch of chances, um, and they're gonna, they're, they've been so clinical. They've been crushing teams that nobody else has really been doing this in the playoffs so far. And New York City just continue their form, and the form is what's so important when it's about finishing to me, and they're going to be clinical with their chances. Hmm. But I'll be the West. The big one, the big one. The, the Western <laughs> Conference, of course. Um, because if, if Philly win, of course, the F- MLS Cup Final is in Philadelphia. But if LAFC win, it's in LA. So where's the MLS Final going to be? So, I mean, you have two teams coming right out of rivalry matches. Mm-hmm. They get away with them at home. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be another action-packed one, mm-hmm. and I think LAFC is going to step away with another three to two win. Ooh. But this time, it's going to be an extra time. Oh, okay. We're going to extra time then. Play a little free football. I like it. Um, I will of course be there at the bank covering this game, but it will be, as you say, an incredible one. I expect a very action-packed game. Uh, two teams that love to attack, love free-flowing football. Uh, the difference I see is Austin defensively are just not that good, um, and LAFC are. So I think uh, it, that that's going to prove to be the difference. Uh, I think LAFC are going to high press a lot uh, in this match and try and catch Austin sleeping, catch their back line not not being able to pass out of the back. Um, and I think it's it's going to be a four two LAFC win because yeah I think it'll be high scoring. I think there will be goals scored, but. Um, but yeah, I, I expect a relatively comfortable win for LAFC uh, just because of how bad I think Austin's defense is. Uh, and so when it's a playoff game where there's going to be a lot of scoring, a lot of chances, like I believe, that's, that's how I'm going, 4-2 LAFC. But of course, we can move then to the Premier League, Obby. Uh, and we can start with midweek. There wasn't a ton that happened midweek. Uh, a couple things to, to discuss, though. Of course, Manchester United uh, versus Tottenham Hotspur. A 2-0 United win. Uh, relatively comfortable, but what were your thoughts on this match? 
Um, we're just starting to see United have their ups and downs, mm. where they're starting to have more of their ups. At the start of the season, they were having some pretty poor results. Now they're getting some decent results. Uh, and Spurs is just... They're in a collapse <laughs> right now. They had people convinced they were going to be that third team up there with City and Arsenal yeah. at the start of the season. And now you're starting to see them have results that are indicative of a team that's going to not only struggle to keep up with the leaders of the league, but maybe struggle to hold on to a European spot. Mm. Champions League spot, of course. But. Right. They, they do... Uh, sit in third right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's one more game played than most around them, mm-hmm. uh, outside of Newcastle, of course. But yeah, I think you're right. It's it's worrying for Spurs. Uh, Spurs are being Spurs, and that's not what I <laughs> would have expected under Conte. Um, but this is a, a, a matchup of two managers who I expected to bring their clubs on the upswing, and it seems that Ten Hag is doing that from what I'm seeing. Despite what we see in the table, I think Ten Hag is doing that more than Conte is, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think this scoreline reflects that, right? Um, but speaking of managers, Villa went and lost 3-0 to newly promoted Fulham, who, by the way, have been playing very well. Absolutely blazing. Yeah, f- so ridiculous. Like, I uh, have them potentially... Relegated, yeah. I believe, in yeah, my predictions, and they're seventh. <laughs> sitting in seventh, yeah. Uh, sitting in a European spot right now, our Fulham. Uh, imagine that. But uh, for Villa, though, Gerard, Stevie G was already on the hot seat, and he had to go after that, right? Um, so first, before we get into who they hired, was it the right decision to stack Stevie G? I mean, I know Villa aren't really in the relegation zone at the moment, but they weren't doing anything that was producing beautiful football. No. So I don't think Gerard was going to be the manager that just needed time to develop a system or anything. Mm. I think he came in, it's not really working, and they just got him out and tried to get something else going while they have the opportunity. So I think that was the right decision. Yeah, I was a, I was a fan of Stevie G before he came to Villa. I think he, he did obviously very, very well in Scotland, and I thought... He would, you know, be able to translate into the Premier League. He has playing experience, obviously, in the Premier League and at a top level. Um, and so I would have liked to see him get a little bit more time, if I'm honest, uh, and see if he could turn things around because, you know, it's just the culture right now where everybody gets sacked, sacked, sacked immediately that they're not succeeding. And I feel like, you know, Stegi had a little bit of time, but not, not very much at all. Um, and so... Well, I do like the hiring of Unai Emery, right, who was appointed, uh, taken from Villarreal, six million release clause for him, and then they're going to pay him a seven million euro salary each year. Um, but for I, I, well, I do like that because I, I think he's been, you know, very good in Spain, and hopefully he can prove it in the Premier League after he you know, didn't have the greatest spell for Arsenal. But I mm-hmm. think, yeah, it would have been interesting to see if Stevie G would have been able to turn it around because. Uh, it is about a project, and I think you know he had a history of doing well. Obviously, not in a very quality league, yeah. um, and now Emery has a, a history of doing a little bit better, all in a little bit better league, um, right? Or a lot of bit better league, um, but but still, yeah. Well, what do you think? Um, especially compared to some of the other things that I had heard, like Sean Dyche being oh, Dyche. Well, and Pochettino all that. was also yeah. Poch would have been a good choice. As I just well, don't think Poch would have wanted I, to go. I don't go. know if he would go with 
Villa. I think Unai Emery is a really good get for a club like Villa. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think appointing Kim is the right choice. I think he's going to do better than Gerard. Mm-hmm. Will he do great? We'll see. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to be losing 3-0 to Fulham. <laughs> Let's hope not. And then, of course, they went and absolutely smashed Brentford 4-0, didn't they? Um, so, I mean, looking good without him, I guess, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, I don't know what else to, th- to think about that. I mean, you know that teams like to play a little bit more uh, when they lose their manager. And, yeah, a and bit that. more energy of having that change going on. So maybe it's not indicative yet. We'll have to wait and see how Emery's results hold up long term. But at least in the short term, it looks like there's not too much to lose by losing Gerard. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the moving to the weekend with, the, with that 4-0 result, um, the shock of the weekend, wasn't it? I mean, you said it last week. You said mm-hmm. they, they keep beating the good teams and not performing against the That's poor right. teams. It's what happened? Something that happens with a lot of clubs is you'll see them have this energy and go into these big games and they'll get a result out of it but something that as a city fan you know you can see the rarity of it is that winning these extended runs of games in a row even though it's not against champions league level opponents Mm -hmm. maybe you have an easy run of games it's really easy to underestimate your opponent at one point and just drop points any random week and when you have a race that's going on at the top, you have to be able to deliver week on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. And so it's just one of these things where Liverpool, they come in, they've been struggling, and they get a big win. They're going to be thinking about that instead of, all right, let's put our heads down. We've been through this a bunch. Let's get back to it. They're a bit more like, oh, I think we're back to our good form. And then weren't as focused. They let Forrest surprise them. So... Yeah, they need to work that out and figure out if they can consistently deliver or else they're going to be looking at a Europa or Conference League. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's about every single team is so good in the Premier League and the level of competition is there uh, from top to bottom. So if you're underestimating anybody, if you're not you know, performing week in, week out, it's going to be problematic. So even if Liverpool go and beat City, when they then go lose to Nottingham Forest... Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for them to keep up with the rest of the league. Um, but, of course, another big game, again, involving Manchester United, this time uh, visiting Stamford Bridge. It was a relatively underwhelming game. I mean, it was it was interesting tactically, um, but not much action happening until very, very late on when... 87th minute, Jorginho gets that penalty and scores it. And then Casemiro in the 90th minute to level for Manchester United, his first goal and a very, very big one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what were your thoughts on these two teams drawing, obviously competing for that Champions League spot right now? Um, I think it's pretty fitting of both teams at the moment. You know, they have high hopes for their managers. Uh, Chelsea getting a new one with Potter and seeing how. Is he going to do coming in in the middle of the season? Ten yeah. Hogs maybe been working on his team a little longer, but these are two teams that they're trying to figure out who they are and try to build an identity. Do I think they can? I'm not sure. Mm. But, uh, yeah, they're both 
you know, trying to struggle and fighting these points. They're not really at a point like City or even Arsenal has been this season where they're going to get cons- those consistent results. And so this is still a pretty important game to them because these kinds of games can decide at the end of the season, you know, who is in that top four, who is going to get that Champions League money and mm-hmm. the opportunity there. But, yeah, I think it's just pretty expected to for these teams to draw they're in similar up and down form and yeah yeah i think united have been uh rather good this season uh, against the top teams outside of city right they beat liverpool they beat arsenal they beat spurs coming into this match um and so they've been really good against the top sides which is Mm -hmm. why i'm impressed and think that ten hog will continue his uh rise with manchester united um, but yeah, as you say, a one-one result, um, not shocking, definitely. But uh, yeah, uh, United still not getting beaten by the top six outside of uh, City. So good for them, honestly. And I think they're they're on the upswing. Um, but of course, that that is now five straight drawn between these two sides. So maybe it's yeah. just maybe it's just a curse. There's never no fixture uh, is drawn more. Uh, as Chelsea and United, so it's time to talk about him. It is. It's time to talk about Jesse Marsh and the boys at Leeds United. They are now officially sitting in the relegation zone in 18th place. They do have a game in hand, but with the form they're in, are they going to pick up any points out of it? I don't know. And the schedule that they have, right? Yeah, and you, I mean, they've been struggling with some teams that maybe some of them are decent teams, some of them are on the lower end, but you look at, like, losing 5-2 to Brentford or drawing Everton 1-1, drawing Villa under, uh, Villa under Gerard, you know, losing to Palace, who's not been in amazing form, mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, and then... You look at their next five games. Yeah, they have. In the Prem is Liverpool at home, Burnmouth away. That one's more manageable. But Spurs away, and City. City at home, yeah. Newcastle away. Those are all teams that are doing tremendously well this season. Three of them on the road. One of their home games against City. Yeah, the they only. Have game they're even looking at points at in their current form not saying they can't actually point pull points out of the other games but Burnmouth is looking like the only one that they're actually going to walk away with anything yeah wolves have been also very very bad so they might that's be... efl cup. oh is it the cup it oh yeah, the yeah. Cup. oh you're right you're so right. you look ahead at their schedule and yeah you're like, oh, right. maybe there's some light but yeah you're right no that's now it's looking really that's bad really bad yeah 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 now i was thinking so, yeah liverpool spurs city and newcastle in their next five that's it's not looking good. Uh, you think you think Jesse Marsh is going to get sacked in those next five? Uh, I mean, unless he pulls some magic like he pulled against Chelsea, mm. unless he can get him motivated for these big games. Yeah, I don't know, because you come in with that bad of form into this streak of games. Even if you say, "Oh well, I've." played some pretty difficult opponents maybe you can get away with that right at the start of the season say well we had a hard start to the season i mean you haven't won a game in i believe the last eight he hasn't won 
and then you go into five more games, especially if you drop points against Burnmouth. That's 13 games in a row you don't get any points out of. Wow. And it, that's just, no matter who you're playing... That's too many. That's just yeah, undeniably bad. So Jesse's really going to have to pull something out these next five games. If he can really impress and pull some results against these sides, he'll probably save his job. But right now, it's looking like he could be the next one out the door. Yeah, I think he probably is, unfortunately, because those next five are bad. Um, he's level bottom, uh, but... The, in those next five, leads are going to go dead bottom of the Premier League, uh, very likely, and at which point Jesse Marsh might go, unfortunately. But just in time to bring him in for 2024, for 20, I mean, 2022 World Cup? Uh, no. That'd be great, but, you know, I wouldn't be too mad if after 2022 World Cup has run its course, if he's the USSF decides to give Marsh this you know control for 2026 maybe i'm getting my hopes up there but i know but what does it say that we're that we're like clamoring after a manager who's about to get sacked from two clubs within a year i mean we're not really going for pep guardiola but our standards are so low because yeah it's it's not great but at the same time i feel like what the u.s needs at this moment, is at least a manager who can put them in the right direction, even if he's not a top, top yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah. He's at least somebody who's going to put the right pieces where they need to be. He has an identity. And Marsh and he has does t- have that, yeah. and he cares about you know building a culture in his team. And even though he might not get results at times, sometimes he does chalk Chelsea. Sometimes he does pull some tactics out. So I feel like... Even though he's having a rough time two times now with Leipzig and with Leeds, if the opportunity arose to have Marsh in for the next World Cup, I'd absolutely still hop on it. Yeah. Which, as would I. You could say it's sad. But... No, it's, it's not great. Yeah. I, I mean, the more he does, the less <laughs> impressed I am. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's just our low standards because we don't have anybody else. Um, but of course, uh, there was a, a few other talking points this weekend. The, the midweek was boring, but the weekend not so much because Arsenal dropped points against Southampton. Um, of course, at the St. Mary's, but Xhaka in the 11th and Armstrong in the 65th, and then it stayed that way, 1-1. Arsenal dropping points, uh, a rarity this season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, getting City back into a good spot uh, in the table, I believe they're what two points back now. Yeah, two yeah. points back. Um, so, I mean, what happened to Arsenal? Uh, I, th- I think it's just Arteta has the right system in place, uh-huh. but he's they're not quite as used to playing with that. Like you saw last season, they were developing what they're doing this season, mm-hmm. and it just looked awkward because they're working into it, and now the system's working. But at the same time, they're going through those growing pains of sorts that City went through when they were first adopting the system where you're still dropping a few points here and there and some weird games. You're not able to just go on these you know, 10-plus game runs of mm-hmm. just getting results after results. And so you have Arsenal, who gets off to this great start, 
City knows all they have to do, even if they've dropped a few points off of Arsenal, is just keep up the pressure because they've been through it how many times with sometimes competing against ourselves, sometimes you know, Liverpool, like sometimes Liverpool has had a good season and it's really gone down to the wire. But this is a team that's been through it time and time again. Whereas Arsenal, they're not used to being in this position, mm-hmm. and so City puts pressure on them by winning these games every week, having Holland there to, you know, score two plus games a week. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's just, I think it's going to be something we're going to see more and more as the season goes on and the wear of games starts to get to the players. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Arsenal's just going to drop points here and there. And that's ultimately what I think will stop them from winning the title. Mm-hmm. They'll still be able to get top four. And I think it's a really good step for Arsenal. But this is the exact kind of game we're talking about when we're like, still think City is going to pull this out. Right, right. Yeah, I think uh, Southampton just sat back really deep and it was a little bit creative, uh, creativity issue for uh, Arsenal, which is, you know, as you say, when you're learning the new system, uh, that's the hardest part is learning to break down a low block. Um, while they do get a lot of players forward in that new system, obviously, uh, it's just hard when, when a team sits deep as Southampton did. Um, Arsenal took a bunch of shots, but the, the chances of quality weren't even weren't really there um and so i think yeah a draw is basically what was deserved as well from that match um well the next question i have for you is about leicester uh, they've they've taken yeah. themselves uh, off the bottom of the table out of the relegation zone finally uh with a four nil battering of wolves uh, at the molyneux it was just completely dominant performance all around except for the possession I guess um, you know I mean Wolves took a bunch of shots it was just am I seeing this right they only took Wolves only I mean Leicester only took five shots in the game and they put four of them in the back of the net meanwhile Wolves took 21 shots wow okay I mean I, that's just I didn't know Wolves took that many shots and I, I thought it was more even than that I mean mm-hmm. Wolves definitely had a bunch of chances, don't get me wrong, but, um, I, wow, okay. So, was this as much of a shocker as it seems? Or, or Leicester, I mean, back on track, or was this just a lucky finishing? What was the story here? Uh, I mean, with Leicester, you look at their results. Recently, they've had a really good run of form. Mm-hmm. But That's why I asked, are they you know, finally a, back on track? 4 nil win at home against Forrest. 2-1 loss away to Bournemouth, a 0-0 draw at home to Palace, a 2-0 win against Leeds, and a 4-0 win away at Wolves. Uh-huh. And compared to how they have been doing, sitting dead last, right? it's obviously a step up, but you look at the teams they've played, you know, Forrest has been extremely underwhelming this season after bringing in pretty much an entire team <laughs> during yeah. the summer. Yeah. Um, and then Burnmouth, nothing that impressive out of them. Palace has just been not what they should be this season. Um, yeah, well, especially lately. Yeah. yeah, I think. And Leeds, we just talked about Marsh. Right, I mean, those three wins, those three wins, right? Forest, Leeds, and Wolves are, are the three bottom, right? Those are the team, right. three teams in the relegation zone right <laughs> now. So, 
uh, while yes, they're they're big wins, um, and they're decisive wins. You just you you are hard to be convinced by Leicester. I think right. at this point, um, you know Brendan Rodgers holding on to his job, I think by the edge of his fingernails. But uh, yeah, I think I'm curious what to let, let's see what their next uh, fixtures are coming up because I well, think their that very next fixture. It's of it's course City, yeah, City. yeah, of course. But then they have Everton, West Ham, Newcastle, Liverpool. Yeah, I just think they're it's, tough to see them getting results from these games. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I I could see Brendan Rodgers on the hot seat again soon because if they can't keep up this form, which you don't think they're going to do because it's the form is to me due to the team that they're playing, right? Um, right. And, and a guy named James Madison as well, of course. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm still unconvinced by Leicester. Yeah, if if Leicester is really on a different trajectory, they're gonna have to pick up, you know, probably at least one win and one draw against Everton and West Ham away, yep. and then pull points off of City, Newcastle, and Liverpool. Uh, not all of them, right? At least one of them. Yeah. And then you start to go, okay, Leicester's turned it around, but it could easily be that this is just a good run of form because they're playing some weaker opponents and then they get into this set of games and they're right back to where they were so. yeah absolutely the, the team that i th- am convinced by though i think they are for real it is newcastle united uh they have been just ridiculous this year i mean obviously the takeover and, and all the talk about how quickly uh can they you know come back and and start competing with the top teams uh, in the league, can they can they compete for a European spot? This and that. I of course predicted them to finish in a European spot in my preseason predictions. Everyone called me crazy. They've now beaten two, Spurs two one at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, just a big win for them that puts them uh, what is it fourth in the table behind uh, Spurs themselves, right? Uh, also to, on on twelve games, but. I mean, they are in a Champions League spot right now. I'm still very confident they will finish in a European spot. Uh, I mean, and they're doing it against big teams. It's not yeah. the same thing as Leicester, right? Yeah, it's not just, oh, they happen to have either a good form or you know a good run of games or something. They've been pretty consistent this season in delivering those results and getting in that position, and that's why they're sitting so high on the table, whereas you had, like, Leeds was sitting really high after the first few weeks, and they dropped back down. But Newcastle stayed up in that position just because that is who they really are. Mm-hmm. Now, like Arsenal, as the season goes on, will they, you know, drop a little bit more just because they're getting used to like building who they are? Mm-hmm. Possibly, yeah, probably, um, yeah. and probably with the kinds of teams that are up in that conversation that they have to deal with but it's not fake uh they're definitely building something there and it's just a matter of how high are they going to finish are they going to be able to maybe even surprise one of the big six and beat them out Mm. i don't think so i had them in seventh i think you did as well on the preseason predictions but i think they're looking really strong for that seventh spot yeah, I think so too. Uh, but with that, we can move on to our moments of the week, Obby. Uh, 
let us know yours. Uh, so mine is the Women's World Cup draw that awesome. took place. It's, and the U.S. Women's National Team is going to be in a group with Vietnam, the Netherlands, and then, as well, there was a playoff. I believe Portugal is the favorite to come out of that. They'll be in the final of the playoff, and then Cameroon and Thailand are playing for the other spot in mm-hmm. that playoff. Um, most likely to be Portugal. I believe Netherlands were sitting around 8th in the world rankings. Yeah. Portugal 23, Vietnam a bit lower. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the Netherlands is definitely going to be the strongest competition in that group for them. But overall, I think it's a pretty manageable group. Yeah, manageable group. Nothing, not too easy, not too difficult, I think. Uh, good for the U.S. Women's National Team. Obviously going to be one of the favorites heading into that tournament, mm-hmm. um, defending world champions. Uh, but yeah, will be will be fantastic to, to get to the Women's World Cup after the men's, of course. So great to see the draw. Love that moment of the week. Um, mine had to be my hometown team, the Oakland Roots, who play in USL, uh, the second division below MLS, of course. Um it is their playoff times as well. This was the conference quarterfinals, and they pulled an upset in San Diego against the San Diego Loyal. 3-0. Uh, the first goal from Charlie Dennis was just fantastic. Took it off his chest and left-footed across his body into the opposite corner. Just a fantastic finish. Um, and then Lindo Mfeka got the, the second goal, and then it was San Diego Loyal getting three red cards. <laughs> in the game so Roots scored three ga- goals while Loyal got three red cards I can't remember the last team I saw last time I saw a team playing with eight men on the pitch but that was what uh, San Diego Loyal were doing for the final few minutes and, and then uh, Matias Fisore got a, a stoppage time goal to make it 3-0 uh, make the s- scoreline even nicer for Oakland uh, which is just really really fantastic and, and it sets up a meeting in San Antonio with the number one seed uh, San Antonio out, out there um, it's going to be a really good game I think that one on the October 28th hmm. how are you feeling about that well last season this is what happened with the Roots as well they they won uh, got the upset in the first round and then got El Paso I think it was uh, in, in Texas oh, played really well in that game honestly but didn't pull out the win and then hmm. um and so I think, yeah, I think not looking good, but, you know, we're the underdogs. We have that underdog mentality, right? Um, but, yeah, I think with that, it – or, no, did we? Yeah, we did beat them, right? Yeah, uh, beat El Paso, right? Okay, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, that brings this episode to a close uh, – we our game of the week next week will be Barcelona versus Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Barcelona looking to stay alive uh, in that Champions League group. Uh, they will need a win because Inter are going to beat Victoria Pilsen, so they need to beat Bayern Munich to stay alive and not get relegated to the Europa League. Uh, it's going to be a, a very very good one at the camp now. Very big game, and of course uh, you have Lewandowski returning and playing Bayern once again. Um, so it should be a very, very interesting one. We will cover that one, as well as, of course, the two conference semifinals that we predicted, uh, and that will be happening over the weekend. Uh, but we will see you next week. Please like, comment, subscribe. 
Uh, we're almost getting, we're creeping up to that thousand follower mark, so if, or subscriber mark on YouTube. If we can get that, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Please drop a subscription and a like. It really, really helps out the channel. We will see you next week.